Good morning. Welcome to Simply Remarkable, created by Remarkable, a Speakers Bureau. And I'm your host for today, Sue Falcone, founder and CEO of Remarkable. Now, we began this show just for you. We wanted to showcase the talent that we represent at Remarkable so that you could get to know them personally as we do. Yes, we know personally every person that we represent at Remarkable. And you can see their value as a speaker or performer. And you never know, you might be planning an event or you know someone who is, and you've got the perfect speaker today. So we just never know. So thank you for coming today. And they're also going to show you how remarkable they are and how they can help you be remarkable today, too. So be looking for that. Now, thanks for joining us. Our active chat line is open. We welcome your questions, comments, and uh, just a shout out. Let us know you're there. We know lots of people are there. They never let us know. They're listening. And that's great. We're just glad to have you. Now, our featured guest today is the high energy nonprofit and strategic planning motivational keynote speaker. He's a board retreat facilitator, blogger, and author of the best-selling book, Stop, The Nonprofit Board Blame Game, Marty Smith. Now, with decades of experience working in the high-speed corporate world of NASCAR racing and advocating for nonprofits and associations across the country, Hardy Smith provides expert advice and develops effective strategies to help solve your business's challenges as a nonprofit. He also drives change needed to bring your organization to the next level. Now, he's a content-rich, engaging, masterful storyteller who delivers a message and experience with tangible takeaways that are immediately actionable right at your office. And today, I'm sure you're going to pick up many of those and you will laugh and learn as that is a guarantee from Hardy. I just welcome you today, Hardy Smith. Thank you for coming. Well, Sue, thank you for that most remarkable background and introduction. I'm I'm amazed with myself. So this is this is going to be great. Thank you for having me today. I look forward to a very fun and engaging conversation. That's what we're talking about. And where are you coming to us today from, Hardy? Daytona Beach. See, he's still in NASCAR country. So, you know, we can't leave it. So this is this is good. This is good that we can find that out. Now, this 30 minutes just goes flying by, Hardy. So we're just going to jump right in. Is that okay? That sounds terrific. All right. Now, Hardy, where did you grow up and did you ever think that you would become a speaker and a published best-selling author? Well, let's see. Part one, I grew up in Talladega, Alabama. And did I ever think I would be a successful professional speaker? Well, I, I would say there were there were early signs of Heart in you know in in school throughout school, elementary, middle school, high school. Hardy, you're talking a little bit too much. Let's let's be quiet here in the back of the room. So uh, I was a talker from er, er, early on. So 
always enjoyed that. Did a whole lot of uh, speaking across the country as a as a volunteer member in a number of associations and organizations, and did a whole lot of speaking across the country representing NASCAR. And uh, so it's been a natural process uh, to evolve uh, into you know, sharing the stories, a lived experience, a whole lot of fun, some tough lessons along the way. Uh, but I enjoy sharing those stories. Plus, I think I've, I've received, Sue, the ultimate testimonial. Maybe we should add this to the website. My son, Troy, says his grandpa is a great storyteller. <laughs> That's always the best audience. <laughs> and I know you are enjoying that grand uh, boy that you, you love. And of course, his dad is involved in NASCAR too. So, hey, it still, still rolls on. Still rolls still on. Yeah. Now, Hardy, how did you get involved with the nonprofit world? Uh, great question. Um, I was involved in community organizations from my, my, my family was. I was involved in community organizations from a very early age. Um, after you know, after coming back home to Talladega, um, after college, got involved in again community organizations, and then from a professional standpoint, um, when I got into that world of of uh, NASCAR racing, um, all of the my roles and responsibilities with NASCAR as a company included being involved with community organizations and nonprofits. I was just doing it on, on a national scale at that point. But the, the personal involvement, the professional involvement uh, with nonprofits across America has literally been going on my entire life. And um, so there's a there's an extensive background of experience uh, to rely on there. And that does all play into it, doesn't it? Yes, I mean, it does. It all, all adds up. Then in writing your book, Stop the Nonprofit <laughs> Board Blame Game, how did you choose to write about this particular area of nonprofits? I, I really appreciate that question, Sue. There, the, the nonprofit uh, leaders, and that's from the nonprofit uh sector is nonprofits. That includes association leaders. That includes chamber of commerce leaders. All, all of those are nonprofits, right? There is a constant, constant flow of sharing complaints around the frustrations these leaders have with board members. So it, it's, it's the question that, that, you know, keeps them up at night why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? And early on, I, I realized this is such a compelling uh, problem. And if boards aren't doing what they're supposed to do, what happens? And that's the mission isn't as successful as we would all like for it to be, right? And so I set out on a quest to find out the answer to that. Why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? And that that turned into uh, the book. And the book uh, is based, and this is important to share with the audience, 
the book isn't just my opinions and telling organizations what to do and how and what to do. And, and, you know, they obviously know they have a problem. It's Sue, the book is based on the board member perspective. So I have surveyed, I've researched with board members across the country and take listen to their advice and their advice is shared in the book. It explains the breakdown in relationships between professional staff and their volunteer board members, why those breakdowns happen, specifically what are the breakdowns, and then I identify all of that wisdom and then share from my experience uh, how to resolve those situations. And I, I'm a believer in, in well, you know, if it, if you're trying something repeatedly, maybe a best practice in recruiting board members, and it's not getting you the results you need, shouldn't you consider trying something differently? Well, it would seem to be that would make sense, right? Well, in the nonprofit sector, again, chambers of commerce, nonprofits, associations, uh, there across across the board have been practices in recruiting board members, how we communicate with board members, how we train board members, how we set expectations for board members, and we're still frustrated. So obviously the approach to board engagement across the board hasn't worked. My book, I can say with all confidence, is different. My book takes a contrarian viewpoint based on the input of those very valuable board members and their insights, how to make change that you need happen. And that's the key, isn't it? Change is hard. It is. Face it and know it. And you do such a great job. I've read the book and it does. It explains, you know, how this can happen. And that's what you bring to the audiences and you get recommendations all over the board because that's you're bringing that different view. You're bringing that in a fun and learning experience for people because that's how they can learn. That's how they can learn better. So thank you for doing that. Now, as a nonprofit and association industry leader, because you are, this is the one thing people have been Asking in nonprofits, what's the key to a successful nonprofit? What's that key to success? I would I would say, and I, I appreciate that question. I, I Sue, I my suggestion would be, you know, first things first. Uh, to quote quote from Stephen uh, Covey, uh, and I'm I'm reading his uh, Seven Habits for Highly Successful People right right now. Um, so to borrow that phrase, first things first from Stephen Covey is start with making sure your, you are, your organization is utilizing your board as what I call a high value asset. Now, what, what do I mean by that? You, you have to examine very carefully and every organization is unique so there's not a a cookie cutter you know answer here but if you'll follow this template it will make a difference 
So utilize your board board as a high value asset. So how do you want to utilize your board? What you know you want? Do you want your board to be a strategic board? Do you want your uh, board to be uh, uh, involved in fundraising? Uh, you know how, how exactly do you want your board to function? And then consider the skills and the talents and the expertise you want your board to have. So, you know, now I know that you and I, Sue, are great. We are great sports fans. And I know we could talk about college football on and on and on, but that's not why we're here today. But I do know, and you know as well, if you want a championship team, you've got to have championship players. So if you want a championship winning nonprofit, you've got to have championship uh, board members would be my suggestion for building this high value asset. So think about the skills and expertise that you want. Once you identify those, then start identifying potential board members in your community. If you're a local organization uh, who would fit the skills and expertise necessary. And then you start very in, in re recruit your board members with uh, purpose and process, be intentional about that. And in the recruiting phase, have absolute clarity on what your uh, expectations are for your board and board members. So if you want them to fundraise, have the conversation in the recruiting phase of that relationship. Don't wait till you get them on the board, then say, oh, Sue, by the way, as a member of the board, here's what we expect you to do. We expect you to go out and raise lots of money and, and write big checks yourself. And unfortunately, Sue, that happens a lot. And the reason why is because we're afraid if we share with a board prospect that they're going to be expected to raise money. They'll say no and turn the invitation to be a part of the board down. And where does that leave you? Still it's leaves you with an empty board seat, right? So we, we're afraid of that empty board seat. So we'd rather fill the seat than work on that relationship and expectation after the fact. Now, how does that work in long-term relationships? So, okay. You, you see someone you really like to have a, a relationship with, it starts getting serious. Uh, you kind of see that, well, you know, they, there could be a little improvement here and some touch-ups here and there. Not quite exactly what I had in mind, but, you know, I'm starting to run out of choices here and the clock is ticking. So I better grab this one while I can. And then you... You get to the altar and you're saying, I do. And it then, after the altar experience and the I doing all happens, then you start working to change them, by the way, them, not you, them. And how does that usually work out? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's a clear picture. That's a clear picture. And when you said that you need to have purpose and process, isn't that key? to not just nonprofits, it's key to any 
any any company and any Absolutely. organization. You know, so your your information, even though it's geared towards nonprofits, certainly can be in the profit world as well. Because I know you also do some of that consulting and speaking in that world too. But your main focus is the nonprofits, which is that's your heart and your love. But I see that. I see that we don't do the right jobs so the up front, up front instead of waiting, you know, and then you say, oh, you know, and then it's kind of hard to to change, you know, and adapt, you know, because adapting Absolutely. In, in here is really key. So thank you for sharing that, because I think people have this bit. There's a magic thing for success, but they don't realize the purpose and the process that it's going to take to have that magic. So thank you for sharing that, because that's key. That's key. absolutely. And, and I, I would challenge while we're on the subject of challenge, I would challenge all of our nonprofit leaders. Look, look into the mirror. If your relationships with your board members aren't where you think they ought to be, my challenge to you is look in the mirror. What can you do? Are you doing anything? Let me rephrase that. Are you doing anything to contribute to that relationship not being what it should be. And Absolutely. the second challenge is, is the question, who is it going to be easier to change? Once you've got them on board, number one, you've got the, if you're having these kind of problems, you've got the wrong people on board. So we answered the how to earlier, but so if you've got folks on your board, you just don't have a good relationship with, they're going to be on the board for a while, then who's it going to be easier to change, them or you? So again, look into the mirror. What can you do to, to change yourself and take a more positive approach? And the book outlines exactly how to do that. That that's so key. It is because we don't want to look at ourselves. <laughs> that's that blame game, right? <laughs> that's the blame game. Yeah, exactly. Now, Harney, what is the number one challenge facing nonprofits today and how can they overcome it? What's the number one challenge? We've talked about boards and all, but is that the really the, the, the beginning or is there something else? And in my opinion, the top challenge that the nonprofit sector and all business businesses face today is dealing with what's next. You know, we, we, in the beginning, once we figured out that a COVID pandemic was going to be around for a while, you know, how much of that conversation to kind of walk that back just a little bit, how much conversation did you hear um, among businesses and nonprofit leaders. Oh, well, when it's all over and done, we'll get back to normal. That'll be great. Well, I've got news for you. Normal is exactly what we experienced in a pan in the pandemic. We are always in a, a situation of change. We're always in a situation of disruption and challenge and so how do nonprofits especially look forward to the changes that we don't know that 
are going to happen. Specifically, don't know what challenges are going to happen, but we know something is going to happen. So the challenge in, in right now is learn the lesson from not being prepared to deal with a pandemic situation. So what am I talking about here, Sue? So many nonprofits and associations live from, just like us as individuals, quite often live from paycheck to paycheck. Organizations live from one fundraiser to the next. And during the pandemic, they couldn't, what happened? They couldn't have those in-person galas and banquets and walkathons and those fundraisers, right? And then so they were on the verge of, and many did, uh, fold. And many other organizations, quite substantial organizations, high, very high names, um, were on the verge of folding, came very, very close. And it would be shocking to hear some of those. But they were not ready for the what if, what if they couldn't have their annual gala for one reason or another. They just didn't know it was going to be a COVID pandemic. So learn that lesson. Something else is going to come, whether it's a weather catastrophe, whether it's some kind of global conflict, whether it's an economic downturn, uh, some other kind of health-related issue. We don't know. But strengthen your organization. Take steps to strengthen your organization. Take off the blinders. Stop looking at day-to-day and start looking into the future. That's where utilizing your board as a high-value asset can help you future-proof your organization. So that would be my suggestion. Take what are the steps you can take now to future-proof against future challenges. What great advice for all of us. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sitting here saying, okay, we, th we might think we have it, but if we don't, then it certainly shows, doesn't it? I mean, it comes up. Now, looking back, Hardy, what is it that makes you smile about where you are today? Well, I just got to tell you, I have fun doing what I do. So every single day for me in Hardy World is an adventure. I get to talk and visit with a whole lot of fun people, very influential people. I like learning. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a much better student now, by the way. So if any of my former, former classroom teachers are, are watching, uh, they'll say, wow, Hardy, well, you sure changed. Well, yeah, I have. Back in the day, not so much. But it's one of one of the things about <laughs> lived life experiences, right? So I, I enjoy learning. I enjoy studying uh, and getting getting better and upping my game. And I'm continuously trying to do that. I, I'm uh, continuously wanting to help share the lessons of the experiences that I've been very fortunate uh, to have been given some very very special and unique opportunities. And I think part of my part of my mission here is is to share the benefit of what I've been given. And I enjoy doing that. It certainly shows. It certainly shows because, like I said, everyone just loves to have you around because you bring 
that sense that we need. You bring the message that we need. Now, in closing, Marty, what is it that you're going to do today to be remarkable? Well, I'm just going to tell you, it is, uh, it is almost, it's coming up to 1030 Eastern time. And I will tell you that I've got a couple of uh, uh, additional remarkable visits on the schedule for today. But I could tell you, I could stop right now and say, okay, take the rest of the day off. And that would be, I could do that and I'll enjoy the rest of Friday. But I will, the reason I can do that is because prior to this call, I've already made significant progress on advancing my own cause, my own business. I've already had some great opportunities to help other folks and other organizations uh, early start this morning. So I've had a very, very full and productive day already. And it's just now coming up on 1030. So I, I am having a remarkable day and I'll just be adding some more frosting to the cake as the day goes on. And that's key. I was always an early riser. My grandmother taught me to be early. <laughs> and so, because the day can get by you so quickly. So being early gets, gets, gets us focused and fun, having fun getting up early. But anyway, thanks again, Hardy. Now to our audience out there, our challenge to you is, what are you going to do today to be remarkable? Please take a minute to share it in our chat or give us a comment because we'd love to know what you're going to do because we already know what parties uh, got planned and we're ready to do ourselves favor by being understanding and understanding others. We heard a lot today about relationships. Maybe that's going to be part of your day. But thanks so much for joining us today, Hardy. And I hope you'll come back soon because everybody always wants to know everything about Hardy. You know, what, what's he doing? What's he going on? So do you want to have Hardy at your next event, at your next board retreat, at your next keynote for your big groups, at your next chamber meeting? Contact us today. We'd love to share that, how you, that can happen. We'd love to help you. Remember, he books quickly. So we just keep going and he does too. So he's always available. Now, everyone, we hope you will come back next Friday, September 22nd. It's the beginning of fall. Can you believe it? We are coming up to the last weekend of the summer and we're ready to start a new season. But we're going to do something different next Friday than we've ever done before on this show. As you know, we started this show to feature the remarkable talent that we represent here at Remarkable Lay Speakers Bureau. Well, next week we had the opportunity and I said, I'm just gonna do it. We reached out, we have a special guest, not someone we represent, but the one and only, Bruce Marion, CEO of Bruce Marion Celebrity Speakers and Entertainers Bureau. Now he is celebrating his 50th anniversary as a bureau, 1973 to 2023. 
His bureau has been a top 10 grossing firm in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. In 1973, Bruce booked his PR client, actor Michael Landon, on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Bruce credits Carson for inspiring the idea to launch a celebrity speakers bureau. After the show at NBC in Burbank, Johnny Carson invited Michael Landon and Bruce to his Malibu home for dinner. When Carson suggested to Bruce that he create Bruce Marion's Celebrity Speakers Bureau, Michael Landon offered to be Bruce's first client, and the rest is history. He has literally worked with every Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies on the planet. Join us as we celebrate the legacy of Bruce Merritt has created, and here's what he hope hear about what he holds for bureaus and all of us in the future. You won't want to miss this show, and we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you won't miss an episode of our show and can go back and see all the previous episodes just in case you might have missed anything Hardy had to share today because we don't ask you to take notes. We know that, uh, that you can have it available for you at all times. Also, the videos of our talent that we represent is located for you to see the remarkable team of talent that we have here at Remarkable. And we hope you have a remarkable end of summer weekend. It's a football time. Uh, it's a NASCAR time because they're in the playoffs now and we hope to see you next friday thanks hardy thank you be remarkable you too and to everyone